Hey Nora, how's it going? Hey Sandy. What's up? I'm good. I'm good. I just feel um I feel like the, the clock is ticking on summer. Uh we've got no time to do anything. <laughs> I'm working too much. I mean <laughs> what about you? You were telling me I'm as you know, heading out to the United States soon for school. And that is coming like way too soon. I have no time for anything. So that's really annoying. <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy the end of summer here. I had a surprise this weekend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you came to visit me in Toronto. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. So now, dear listeners, there exists three photos out in the world of me and Nora together because <laughs> Nora came to Toronto and I made it a priority to make that happen. I'll share that with you later. Yes. But what are we going to talk about today? What are you thinking? What about that weekend? That weekend was nice, huh? It was a super or nice was weekend. It? <laughs> yeah, it was a super, it was really, it was a great little vacation. I have to admit, I only get two weeks of vacation per year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So having um, having little uh, trips like that on a weekend is like kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> and I mean, I say like want, want, but... I know that there's probably people who are listening who get way less vacation time than just two weeks. I mean, I'm I'm fairly lucky. I work for a union, so I have, I think, five weeks of vacation right now. But then, you know, I'm going to be going to school soon, and then I'll have months of vacation. And it's it's I feel like that ability to take time off is quickly evaporating from our society and even more than just the ability to take time off the way that we see our relationship to work I think is taking a significant regression from some of the gains that were made earlier in the previous century such that you know our idea around when we need to go to work like even if we're sick or hurt or uh, what how work should be prioritized in people's lives. You know, that whole work-life balance thing that people sometimes talk about. I just, I think that we are regressing as a society in our ability to spend time on ourselves versus time at work. And this weekend, I was spending some time with my extended family and my brother and my aunt suggested that this is something we talk about, like how much time we we get to take off work um, and our relationship to work and how weird it is that we're just always expected to be at work. Yeah, the, um, the demands of the eight-hour workday, which of course was a struggle at the turn of the penultimate century, <laughs> second last century we had, was a fight to have eight hours of work, eight hours of rest, and eight hours to do whatever you want. And I feel like we, like we have gotten to a point where it actually is um, quite revolutionary to think of our time in those in those thirds. And I actually don't think most people do think about their time in those thirds. Like, do we have a right to time off? And do we have a right to not work? And are we seeing that right disappear? And I think that we we for sure are. 
There have been some minor advances in Canada in some labor codes, and specifically I'm thinking about Ontario, that started to give people a little bit more time off. Um, but even those changes were fought tooth and nail um, by opposition, uh, by the opposition at the time, which the Conservatives. And the, it, it hinges on the idea that our only reason to exist in society really is to to work, to work, to work, to work, to work, to work. And we lose so much of ourselves and we lose so much of the ability we have to make change in the world or volunteer for something or do sports or literally do nothing. I mean, that eight hours for whatever we want, that rally and cry from the eight hour movement is really eight hours. We should have eight hours just to live our lives, not under the thumb of a boss and I think it hits you really hard when you're in the summer. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, I like I I have that's a good point. Yeah, like I I work for a, a a group that is made up of unions, and so I mean, my summers are nonstop out of office replies, and me not being able to get answers from anybody because everyone I work with has really good vacation, or really good relatively to to two weeks, and it's um. Yeah, it really it really grinds on you because then you realize, I mean, like or if you come from a family full of teachers like I do, like everyone's off. <laughs> and it's like, wow, I could be bitter about that or I could be able to contextualize it in the broader reality of of the way capitalism works right now, which is that they expect every minute of our waking of our waking lives really to be dedicated to work, whether or not we're actually directly working or if we're thinking about work or if we're replying to emails or if we're following certain things about our industry and off hours reading the news. I mean, it's it's really taken over our existences. And, and I think that you're right. Um, I'm not sure if you said this on the air or off the air, but you've said that we don't talk about this enough. We don't think about this enough, which is why, of course, we're doing this episode. And I think that that's really um, an interesting reality that we aren't talking about this. And so it can can continue pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And the ability to just interrogate all the ways that we spend our time that are dedicated to work, because even if we if we think about the uh, um, the 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 way that our uh, day is meant to be separated into triplets like you've just discussed, the eight hour, eight hour, eight hour. If we imagine that maybe there's there's still a few industries where that's like the traditional way, you know, you have your eight hours of work and then you go home. But the our society has changed in such a way that there's so much that encroaches on that eight hours where you're supposed to be doing whatever you want or sleeping that become more dedicated to work. And what I mean by that is, like, let's imagine how the city has changed so much or urban centers have changed so much or where we're working has uh, relative to where we're living have changed. So often people are traveling up to an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. I know at one point when I was working, when I was younger, I was uh, traveling almost two hours to work. And then all of a sudden you have uh, four hours that are eaten into your whatever you want to do time. But 
that's still work. You know, you're still dedicating that time to getting to work. So that is still, in my mind, you know, that is still work. And then, of course, we've got our smartphones. And maybe now uh, we're expected to be monitoring our emails um, on that that the that commute time to work uh, perhaps when we go home we're supposed to monitor our emails or any particular messages that could come through that might um, let you know about an emergency so you're like latently working all the time like that you're you're going to be able to be contacted for work and then of course as the cost of living has skyrocketed um, and the our wages have not at all kept up in the last few decades People are often taking on more than one job, um, and even if they have one stable full-time job, still trying to get multiple income streams just to make ends meet or, you know, um, doing stuff that could be much worse, like staying in really terrible relationships so that they can um, uh, make use of of a double income to, you know, live uh, and uh, keep oneself afloat. And... You know, that means that 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 like eight hours when you add that all up and I encourage you to do this in your own life. Like if you add that all up, like how many hours do you really have to yourself? How many hours do you really have to even sleep? You know, our lives. I I think it's fair to say that a good two thirds of our lives should be dedicated to ourselves. (laughs) And if if in fact, two thirds of our lives are becoming more and more dedicated to a corporation or even if it's a public service that you're working for, but it's dedicated to somebody else and not you, like what does that do to a person? What does it do to your mental health? What does it do to you and your wellness? Yeah. We also don't talk about how bad the regime is in Canada or day off regime is in Canada compared to other countries. Because we actually get very few, mm. very, very few days off. And if you add them up and then compare them to the, to other countries, it's quite it's quite interesting. And so, there the range in Canada of average time off is um, two weeks. By and large, in Canada, you'll get two weeks of time off. In the only exception. And are you talking about vacation or all all time off? This is vacation. This is vacation. And so it's unpaid, and um, and the only exception to that is Saskatchewan, where there's three weeks, and you start that, you start with that, and then in some provinces, um, Quebec and Ontario, uh, you'll get a third week of pay, of uh, unpaid vacation time after a period of time of working for a particular employer, and then there's only <laughs> this is the way that Wikipedia explains this: there's six to ten paid public holidays, and it depends on your province. So, you you know, wherever you live, you'll know what you have. And so when you add those up, it turns into 16 to 30 <laughs> days off um, that are either paid or unpaid that that people get. So let's say and let's just say for the sake of argument, because, I, you know, it's most likely the case, you only have 10 days a year off instead of higher because it is the two week standard that puts you somewhere between, well, 16 days total over the course of the year, maybe you'd be lucky to get up to 30 if you lived in a province that gave you three three weeks off. So 16 to 30 days off per year. That's really low. <laughs> I mean, France has 36. Finland has 36. I've got a little alphabetical chart here so we could just go through the countries. Gabon has 34. 
Georgia has 39. Germany has 30. Ghana has 28. Greece has 29. Grenada has 23. Guatemala has 25. I mean, <laughs> Guinea has 33. Canada, what the hell? <laughs> like, we don't value this. And I, I, I've said this for a long time. Like, if I was, if I was starting um, some sort of political revolution and I had a political party, I would be, like, promising paid vacation time for people and more public holidays because people need that and people mm-hmm. want that and and the only people opposed to more time off are the bosses obviously <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's pretty clear and then also if you were starting up this political party i hope you'd think about maybe reducing the amount of hours of work uh that we're meant to work each day because if transit is so necessary in our lives and things like transit fees user fees are going up and uh you know the the ability to um, go from place to place isn't great once you get into certain uh, suburbs or regions of canada and you you're going to be using perhaps your own vehicle or something to get to work well then maybe it makes sense to reduce the work day <laughs> if we're going to have to spend so much time uh, traveling to work. But not I, I don't want to just talk about vacation, though this is very important. And I, I think it was my brother who made the, the comment to me that as we're kids, we're, you know, we were expected to have two months off of vacation, uh, a time for our, our brains to reset. And then we go into post-secondary and often, not always, but often you'll have four months off before grad school. Grad students don't get upset with me. <laughs> often you'll have four months off for your uh, brain to reset or like three and a half, somewhere around there. And then, you know, you go into the working world and it's just two. And I wonder what, uh, two if we're lucky, you know, and I wonder what the uh, justification or idea was around that if it was um, like intentional that that's the way that uh, uh, policymakers thought about things but it is something to think about how necessary that time off is um, when we're you know when our brains are growing and when we're younger uh, I don't know if it's any less necessary for us to have some sort of time off Uh, but I don't want to just talk about vacation I do also want to talk about things like sick days like I am so frustrated all the time when I hear um, one of my cousins who's a nurse talk about uh, his ability to take sick days. He is an operating room nurse. So he, he, you know, he works uh, during operations. It's all very harrowing. And he's only allowed to take um, base because I think there's a way that you can like earn sick days or something. Uh, which is strange, like that you would earn the ability to be sick. Uh, But he is only allowed to take five sick days, which means which means that if if you're not feeling well, you have to make a determination as a nurse about whether or not it's worth it to take this time off and lose this this money is it is it so so bad or can I go in and hack it and be a little bit sick while I'm like working over this open body yeah (laughs) and I just I think that that's wrong I think that the priority there is a little off yeah you know what I mean yeah and it's it's not just that it's off it's it's also completely um like uh, wonky in Canada as well because if you look at like from province to province I mean 
maternity leave is pretty much kind of like similar. There's a week, a one week or two week differences here and there. Parental leave uh, is quite all over the map and is probably uh, influenced by the federal government allowing that 18 month period, which is not a real leave because it's unpaid. Um, but I mean, in Quebec, uh, there is a, a the possibility to have up to 104 parental leave days off, whereas in, uh, let's see, in the territories, it's only 37. <laughs> so like, that's a big, um, that's a big gap. Big leap. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then sick days, I mean, Quebec, again, is the province with the best sick day regime. Um, and uh, a lot of provinces don't actually have a mandated sick leave provision that um, would be that would supersede a, a contract. So, you know, so that the base is actually like nothing. We have been like told that our only worth as citizens is through work. And I, and we've completely forgotten about the value that leisure brings to a society. And we think about this very individually, right? Like vacation doesn't benefit anybody, but the people who are on vacation, but like the ability to be idle, the ability to just hang out with friends or family and to literally do nothing is so critical. And anyone who has a, a, like has union protection and is able to take kind of extended periods of leave knows this. Or anybody who has um, who has a contract that allows them to pay them their salary, their five year salary over four years so that they can take a year off with a with that four year salary. They know this. And that's like the people that I know who who benefit from those kinds of um, provisions in their contracts. They travel the Mm -hmm. world and they do something totally different. And maybe they'll come back in their work and they'll add whatever they learned from that year off into their work. Or maybe they'll just come back happier or maybe they'll come back more energized or maybe they'll come back the exact same. And it doesn't actually matter. Exactly. Because exactly. <laughs> because having that that space from work while you're still able to draw a salary is so crazy. I've never understood why that that allowing people five year pay periods. I've, I've never understood why it hasn't been like kind of set in law to allow people to take a salary cut over five years to be able to spread out a four-year salary to then be able to go and live off of their four-year salary on that fifth year not working. I mean, that seems like the biggest, the, the biggest kind of opportunity that people could have in their working lives that should be available to anybody. And what difference does it make to an employer? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't actually cost the employer anything because it's the person's all, all, their salary already. So as long as the person's like working, I mean, you're paying mm-hmm. them the salary that they're paying. So politicians listen to this this is a really good idea we have an election coming up like we need some big ideas and i I, you know not a single politician is going to probably implement this but (laughs) that's the kind of thing that we need to be talking about the the opportunity for um for doing nothing and for traveling or for not traveling and uh but instead what we've gotten into the logic of is like is well, I know you said you didn't want to talk about vacation, but is these like rapid vacations where you have to go somewhere that everything is planned for you because you don't have yes. the ability to plan it yourself, right? Yeah, so you go to the right. resort or you go to the cruise and it's like your cruise is literally murdering fucking whales in the St. Lawrence. Every single cruise that you're on is is murdering the fucking ocean. Stop taking cruises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. That might be another another episode. Oh, yeah. You seem very passionate about that. I'd like to hear more. Um But yes, I, you know, like, it's not that I don't want to talk about vacation. I do want to talk about vacation. I just want to talk couch it in in the way that we think about work um, uh, and our time off it and our necessary time off it uh, or just, uh, you know, desire time off of it. 
um, uh, in other contexts. Another context uh, that I've been thinking about is, you know, what if you do traumatic work? Like if you um, are, say, a teacher who works with troubled children or if you are a doctor who sees some things sometimes or maybe you're a caseworker and you've seen something, uh, you know, that's been pretty difficult. Do we think about at all, and I know, I know a lot of people who are in these types of industries actually, um, they don't get like time off or uh, counseling or therapy or anything like that built into their work. You're just expected to keep going and keep being productive, even if you've seen something particularly traumatic. And that, again, is just one of the ways that we think about work in such this in, in this really, really bizarre way. As I've been getting ready to leave to go to the United States, I've been trying to do all of my medical things before I go uh, because don't want to do it in the States. And I was, um, I was with uh, my physician who was, was telling me that, uh, you know, she had to, she had to move my, my appointment down uh, a week uh, unexpectedly. And it was because, you know, she was sick and she's like, ah, I'm so upset because I used my one sick day. (laughs) Oh my God. This is, you know, she works at a community health center where she's, so she's a part-time physician there and then she's got a full-time gig somewhere else. Um, and she only gets one and a half sick days, um, <laughs> which even even the idea that, you know, because you work part time, you're going to get it prorated is a little Full-time weird sick. because <laughs> if you're sick, you're sick. You're not going to be sick any less, less amount of days <laughs> than um, than if you were elsewhere. But, you know, she's a doctor and she's like, you know, usually if I'm feeling sick, I'll just uh, I, I I'll just I'll come in. Um, and I'm also thinking about. A story was told by another nurse uh, who who had to deal with a really traumatic surgery of a of a young person, um, and the the things that she'd seen in that operating room were were really difficult, and uh, you know just ended up being pat on the back by some colleagues like you doing all right? Um, let's go to the next one. <laughs> no, let's move on. And I think that that's just not right uh, that we prioritize the work so much that we don't think about whether or not people even have the ability to go on. Well, it's the question of like considering all of these issues that come out of work as being part of the entire humanity of a worker. I mean, if we were actually Mm -hmm. building our economy based on respecting the humanity of workers, workers would have access to all of these services. Their jobs would also be Mm -hmm. probably structured differently so that they're not always experiencing like the most traumatic thing ever. Because of course, trauma gets compounded when you're also uh, working a 16 hour shift, which is a normal shift when nurses in Quebec, for example, have to work overtime. They'll work 16 hours. And sometimes they'll mm-hmm. have to pick up a double overtime shift, which then pushes them to a 20 hour shift. So how are you going to deal with the tra- trauma of um, of a difficult job? You're also you're also working with people who are potentially contagious. <laughs> and you're yes, expected exactly. to like, just like do your thing, like as if you're like, you know, serving people in like in a mall or something like this like as if you're not like directly working with people who are ill but then there's there's also the reality that you also don't want the guy who's uh making your hamburger to be sick or you don't want your bus driver to be sick like I don't know about you but as I get older the one of the ways that sickness has manifested itself in like my body 
is I get dizzy and I almost mm-hmm. pass out and I can't mm-hmm. anticipate that it just happens. And so I like when there was a, there was work action from the bus drivers in York region, North of Toronto, and their big issue was sick days because management was refusing to allow them to have, um, I don't remember if it was paid sick days or more paid sick days, but what either, whatever it was, this was a couple of years ago. Their argument was you don't want your bus driver to be sick. And it's like, no shit like why would you even have to say that like if Mm -hmm. there's a bus driver and if they get sick the way I get sick and they're starting to feel dizzy at the fucking wheel yeah I don't want that person on the job I also don't want that person on the job if they're also if they're going to be contagious I don't want anybody working in retail in food service in warehouses in construction if they're not feeling 100% and it's a health and safety issue it's a personal health issue and like And people, the problem is that people don't feel like they have that entitlement to be able to take time off work. And we don't have union representation that's broad enough to make sure that people in these industries are covered by very good contracts that allow for time off and that allow for people who are not feeling well to come in. And and Christ, whenever you talk about this with like some right wing piece of shit and all they want to talk about is people like abusing the system or whatever. (laughs) It's like... I don't care about anybody, quote unquote, abusing the system. I mean, the the Weston family stole from millions of Canadians when they were fucking price fixing illegally and and extracting money for us for bread, Mm -hmm. which they had no legal right to do. Mm -hmm. That kind of shit. That concerns me. I I, I want to talk about like wealth inequality. I don't really care about how someone taking a sick day is somehow an abuse of of some some system. But even like I mean, let's what do we mean by abuse of the system? Look, if you don't feel 100% and you're just like I really need to stay home today because I just need a day off because I just want to not work for somebody else. Like I feel like I feel like it should be okay. Like what it how is that an abuse of a system? You know, like it, people do different types of work and whether it's you're using your brain and your brain's just tired that day, like our bodies are different, you know, like maybe your brain's just tired that day or you're doing hard labor and you know what? You're just feeling a little sore still from yesterday. Like I feel like you should be able to have uh, broad consideration for, you know, taking some time off to yourself. I don't think that that, like, how is that abuse of the system? So much of your life is dedicated to the work that you do, to the ink, to productivity. Uh, can't you uh, be productive for yourself or just maybe not at all productive? If that's the way we want to think to, about it. But I, I think that that is still producing wellness for for yourself. I think that that is paramount uh, for our our wellness. And I'm really lucky that I, you know, I work in the union world and so I have the ability um, to, to, to take days off. And, uh, you know, I can compare that to, to times when I did not have, like, any ability to take things off. And let me tell you that it really, it really helps the psyche, but it also helps the work. Yeah. It also helps the work. If you are able to um, feel rested and have a good relationship to your work, 
as in it's not something that you're you're always uh, desperately trying to get away from or you're trying to put in enough work so you can earn enough hours to get away from it or you know nobody cares about you so why would you want to be there anyway if your orientation to work is completely different where you feel more relaxed about going into work um better about how you feel about your relationship to the work because you're not always stressed about uh, what it'll mean if you're not there uh the work improves the work yeah. improves yeah or if you hate your job which a lot of people hate their jobs and it's not because they don't necessarily have time off they just hate what they do like at least if you can cultivate an out of job life that is great and that is worth living then you can get through that eight hour shift it would really change how I think we understand our role in relation to in relationship to our employers and our role in terms of how much we make money for other people and that's why it's so hard to convince people to give workers more time off the the other weird thing in all of this is like it's actually creates economic stimulus to have people not work mm-hmm. Like vacation creates economic stimulus. People go and they spend their money when they travel and they go to regions. If you if you organize a, a travel industry that tries to get people to see the smaller regions of their of their province, for example, that's all good. That's all like there's no bad that comes from that. But people need the time to be able to th- like explore. Like if you only have two weeks off, I mean, this is my situation right now. I only have two weeks off. I have one week where I get to go on a vacation. So, you know, went to go see part of my family in one part of Ontario, which means that the second week that I have off has to be the week that I go to see the other part of my family in the other part of Ontario. That's it. I like I'm not going to be able to travel and explore any part of Quebec because if I don't see my family, then it's like, you know, people are people get mad. <laughs> They're like, what the hell? And I'm not that far away. And so it's kind of like I have no excuse. But it's only two weeks. It's like fuck. <laughs> like, I remember. I remember my summers of like total boredom and and, <laughs> and idle kind of thought and mm-hmm. playing around and being outside. And now every weekend, I mean, God, my kids were in the pool this weekend four times because it was so damn hot. Like we could we could be doing that every day, if we had a vacation where we also didn't have to treat the vacation like work, which is where I'm at because the vacation is so rare. And just think about what it could mean for you listeners. Like what would you do with more free time? Like, did you have some hobbies when you were younger that you like to engage in? Um, did you like to write? Maybe, maybe you like to read books. Maybe that's something that you don't even have time for anymore. Like what would, what would change in your life if you, just had more time that was just not about work at all Mm -hmm. and was just about you could we be more social as a society could we have more opportunities uh, to get together and talk about things that are not just commiserating about work (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what would that feel like I think it would be pretty cool now I have a question for you Nora yeah what do you think about working from home in all this in relation to all this yeah, I was hoping you would ask me that. There are some industries that have started to priority, prioritize, especially tech, um, allowing people to work from home. But I feel like there's like multiple ways to think about that. And I know that you work from home. So mm. what do you think? Working from home is absolutely not for everybody. And I don't think that the industries that push people to work from home, they, they talk about that enough. 
So working from home means that you have no coworkers. You, I, I, I often don't like open my mouth to say words the entire day. Oh God, <laughs> that must be really weird for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It Having really, worked it, in well, an office with you <laughs> and had my phone ringing off the hook, even though she was just down the hall to give me an update about this, that, or the other. <laughs> I mean, p- people wonder why the fuck I'm on Twitter so much, and it is literally my my social workspace. Oh, right, because I have no colleagues. There's no one when news breaks. There's no one that you can go, holy fuck, did you see that? Right? Like, I mean, there were moments when we were in that office together where news would break and, you know, someone would run into your office and it was like a big deal because you're like, oh my God, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not it had anything to do with what our work was, it was part of of part of the social aspect of work, which is yes. really important. And a lot of people, I mean, we often talk about how um, the social aspect of work can be bad because that's where you have workplace bullying or harassment or toxic work environments. And those are all things that we have to, as a society, also talk about and also figure out how to deal with. But the flip side of that is the positive social work environments that people really need. I mean, people's closest friends are their colleagues. And so when Mm -hmm. you work from home, you have no colleagues. I mean, like... I, I have a I have a coworker on one of my uh, with one of the, the the groups I work with. We talk on chat and we'll talk on the phone once a week. But I mean, we're we're a thousand kilometers away from each other, so it's not the same thing as a as a as a real life relationship. So that's and 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 it can have major impacts on your mental health. No one can check in to see if you're okay. You have to communicate always through the written word, which is um, not something that everybody can do. You really have to think about how you're expressing yourself in writing because that's often the only way that you're expressing yourself, which is not natural. It's actually really weird. And um, and then there's a whole bunch of just structural things like your workspace has to be good. It has to be it has to work for you. Like you can't just work at your kitchen table and you have to have your own flow. You have to have your own routine. And, you know, I have kids, so my routine's kind of set by their the daycare hours. And so that helps me get into the into the, the right mind space. But, you know, as a way for workers to outsource or sorry, as a way for businesses to outsource office space, Internet connection, computers, and whatever to just have cheap employees. I mean, it's a huge, it's a hugely problematic trend because if we were all going to be working in our homes, isolated away from each other, we would be even more isolated. Like I have a very active social life because I'm so isolated at work. And because also my work isn't, has anything to do with my, my, the community in which I live, I have to make sure that I am out a lot actually and I and I you know I play soccer and I go out with friends and I and I do a lot of activism in in town and not everybody would be able to do that so working from home it's such um it's such a lie that it's like the way of the future or whatever and then you get into a weird situation where like sick days don't exactly operate in the same way because Mm -hmm. if I'm home like unless I'm sick in bed I'm working and so I don't have right. to worry about like being contagious because I'm not going to get anybody sick. But there's some days where I'm just kind of like, oh, man, I feel really weird. And then you're not really sure what to do. And then you're bouncing between work and then like getting into bed and then work and getting to bed. And it's not good either. It's not a very healthy way to be. So like without really thought out parameters about how you work from home and the impact that it has on society, it really is just um, uh, a promise 
of making more money for some boss who then has like less overhead because they don't have to pay for any of your own personal items or whatever that you're using. Right. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. But like it is absolutely not for everybody and it is extremely isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think that uh, something to think about um, when you're thinking about work from home and whether it's better or, or something that's like maybe not so great is the way that it also can encroach on your personal time. Because if you're just expected to yes. work at home and your boss or the company or whomever that you're working for isn't providing the ability for you to like have a workplace space at the same time. Perhaps you're working from home is the same as, you know, watching TV from home. It's like sitting on the couch. It's the same space. Maybe you're in your kitchen or whatever. And then your relationship to those spaces in your home shifts and changes. And it makes it easier for you to continue working far past what the uh, maybe allotted number of hours are. It's kind of like having like a smartphone where, you know, your email is constantly bothering you. If all of a sudden your home space, your personal space um, becomes your workspace, it also has the ability to really encroach on your personal time and your personal life. Now, I'm like, I don't think that mm-hmm. Nora's completely against working at home. Neither am I. I mean, I have this other gig at uh, Kalamazoo College where I work from home and I think it's really, really lovely. It's really great. Um, but I just think that there's ways that we need to to interrogate some of these things, which may seem like uh, great um, on the face of it. But the the issue is if that we don't orient ourselves around our work and our wellness in a particular way, it can be just as bad as some of the other things that we've been talking about today. Yeah, and there's no standards. So you're kind of like figuring it out as you go along, which can be really difficult. And so one of the things that I found, like my desk, I'm not at my desk when I'm not working. Mm-hmm. And I also love work. So I mean, the second the kids are in daycare to this to the second the latest that I can to pick them up, I'm working and I love it. But I mean, I don't get breaks. I don't give myself breaks. My my lunch is definitely eaten at my desk every day. Um, because otherwise I'm eating lunch by myself at the kitchen table. So it's like, what the fuck is the difference? Like lunch is supposed to be a place, a time where you like kind of go with your, with your coworkers or hide from your coworkers or whatever. Um, and, or, or be in a common lunch room where maybe you'll see someone or maybe you won't. I mean, I, I, the, the certainty in my day that no one is going to be like dropping by because my friends are at work is um is like yeah okay this is my day and now I'll take a shower and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and uh oh my goodness I haven't even eaten lunch yet it's four o'clock in the afternoon but one of the things that I've had to do is like I actually now basically can't use email on the weekend and so (laughs) which is nice because I've blocked off my weekends to really just be about like kind of powering down and not not really thinking about certain things but it means that anytime that people are in touch with me on weekends, I'm so bad at getting back to people. I miss things all the time that come in on weekends. If you send me a message on a on a Saturday about something that I have to think about, I literally will not reply and sometimes I totally forget. So that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but we need people like me uh, who are experiencing this to be able to say, you know, come up with some rules for yourself. Like make sure that every day you leave the house. Make sure that every day you go to a gym or you go for a run or you go for a walk or you go to a store to get a certain kind of fucking bagel I don't know like you just need to build into that that day your your routine I want to mention one other aspect in this which I think gets missed which is Mm -hmm. that 
that illness and time off, you know, you said everybody's different. It's not distributed evenly. And the, the group of people who have to deal with the most sickness are caregivers. Those people mm-hmm. who not only when they are sick, they have to take time off, but when someone else is sick, they have to take time off. And it is it is unbelievable to me that we have no provision that allows certain kinds of people to have more time off. And what I mean by that is when my kids were first in daycare, they were so sick. They were sick all the time. And so for all of 2015, because of my kids' illnesses, and they range from like standard daycare, like born illness to like full hospitalization many, many, many times. I did not work a full five days in a row, all of 2015. Something kept me home at least one day a week, if not more. And I had to like kind of just make it work with my employers to be like, you know, there's not, I don't have any choice. This is the reality. And, and it was fine in my situation, but I don't actually know how it's possible to be able to, to take that kind of time off work with a sick child, or in my case, it was two sick kids. And I was still balancing it with a partner who has the ability to come home as well whenever it is necessary. So the two of us were juggling and it was still that bad for me. So yeah, like parents of, of young children or caregivers of people who are also sick, like that's a whole other level of, of uh, people that we, that we completely ignore or ruin the lives of through these very strict or, or minimal time off regimes. And then the other side is, is having time to be off when you need to get your dishwasher fixed or your internet fixed, you know, like the most basic like repair guys coming in the next five hours and you're like, I'm going to be at work and you can take that day off because it's the only way that you're going to be able to get that dryer back online. This is kind of basic and I really yeah, hope that... life happens. No kidding. And the fact that politicians talk so little about work and work... They, call it, they talk about work-life balance and I don't actually think that this is work-life balance. I think this is actually just humanity, restoring humanity of the worker, which is like, which is all of us. And, and so pay attention to how politicians talk about the conditions of work and, um, and time off and this kind of thing, because it'll, it really does give you an indication of how important or not important um, workers really are for all of the parties. And you'll see a difference, although the difference, unfortunately, isn't that big because we workers have to make these issues more important for politicians to respond to us. Yep. And I mean, we've got an election coming up. So, you know, like... Again, like politicians can talk about it as as simple as this is how many days you're going to get for this. Or we can start talking about it as a reorientation of how uh, we see ourselves in relation to our work. And, you know, I'm looking at some of these parties and thinking like, come on, like, let's get some something a little bit more bold out there with respect to how we're talking about work. Work is changing. um, And some of those those big wins we had. Um, in the previous century uh, are really being eroded. Like, what are we going to do to address that? And finally, on the podcast today, I just wanted to say, did you like us on Canada Land? (laughs) If you didn't know, we were on Canada Land Shortcuts uh, last week. Uh, We took over because Jesse Brown was away. So uh, take a listen. We talked about... Uh, migration and we also talked about some alt-right figure that you know isn't worth mentioning 
And, uh, and, you know, we mentioned her in the context of like talking about how uh, that type of figure influences, influences the media. Um, and so you should check that out. And if you're listening to us uh, today because you heard about us from Canada land, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> yes, check out our Patreon uh, where you can uh, support our work. It's just at patreon.com slash Sandy and Nora if you'd like to support. And that's it for today. <laughs>